everyone, my name is John Edwards, and I am without Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad Shrinky Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. We are still here. This is like a month later at this point that we are putting this podcast out, but we have been at the Little Arrow Resort in Townsend, Tennessee. We've been hanging out for Father's Day with a bunch of different distilleries out of Tennessee. So you might have already heard our podcast with Short Mountain and Postmodern. Now we are getting to sit down with the brains and the bronze behind Old Forge Distillery. I will let you guys decide which one is which. Keener is having giving me a shit fit with his microphone because i'm glad you broke the ice there with that big shit word because i <laughs> i was curious about what i could and couldn't say just here. don't say the f-bomb we keep oh, that's my like, favorite word we keep it to cable tv <laughs> that's that's the way if you're wondering about our podcast it's cable tv they they say shit on cable they don't say the f-word on cable south park did once now i'll try to curb it then but uh keener can't hold his mic he wanted to actually hang it down i have stands but they're table stands we are sitting here with the good folks at the little arrow resort in townsend tennessee say hello everyone in townsend it's not often that we get a group of people a live audience a live studio audience for our podcast so we're very very appreciative to all of you that are sitting here and that have sat here throughout all of these podcasts so far we know it's been about hour four at this point that we've been hanging out hour three uh but we have chris tatum from old forge and we have keener i don't what's your last name shanton shanton yeah well it is great great to meet you and, and both of them are here from old forge distillery like i said we are at the little arrow resort there is tiny homes here there's air streams there's glamping there's all sorts of there's cabins there's an awesome playground my daughter has been going on that playground she really liked making a fire we did that at about eight o'clock this morning she wanted to make a fire <laughs> i think she's at the pool right now having a great time but keener and chris thank you so much for coming it is great to have you Thanks, thanks for, for having us. Yeah, thanks so, for having us, man. Oh, thanks for coming. Yeah. And thanks for holding your microphone for 30 minutes. I'll work on it. Very... We've made it two so far. It's been four. <laughs> four, but two I have to cut out because you couldn't hold your microphone. So, yes, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, it has been two minutes since a workplace disaster. Like, do you have something in the back? Like, how many times is there a mishap? At we just took it down. It just <laughs> ran out of a race. Kick one three racers over and over. <laughs> but but tell everybody what you do. Let's go left to right. So, Keener, you go first. Tell everybody what you do at Old Forge, and then Chris, you tell everyone what you do at Old Forge. Head distiller. <laughs> now I'm the head distiller at Old Forge Distillery. And so so he uh, slash you know bar manager slash you know. We wear several different hats in that place. So you make the, you're like the Dunkin' Donuts guy. You have the apron, it's time to make the whiskey. Yes. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Chris, what do you do at Old Port? Uh So I handle mainly distribution. Uh, I try to keep, uh, keep me out of line, trouble. Keep, keep me our out staff, of trouble. Uh, but mainly distribution and then uh, a lot of our uh, government relations stuff that we have across the state. But you technically are the owner. Uh, uh, I'm a partner. We have, there's several, there's three other 
three other partners on it. So, so you're the the face. No, Keener is the face. He's the face, the voice, and the brawn. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm in more in the back um, background on most stuff. It is great to have both of you here. Tell us a little bit about Old Forge, and, and Chris, there's probably something good to start with you on. How did Old Forge actually come to be? How did you and the other partners decide to actually make Old Forge Distillery? For those of you that don't know, it is right in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. When you go down, it's right off the strip by the Old Mill Restaurant. There is actually people forging next door to you. There's a knife-making shop. I forget the name of it, but they actually have lessons where you can go out in the open and forge a knife on the spot. So as you walk out of Old Forge, you hear forging going on, the banging of, of the mallets against the knives, against the steel. But what is the the story behind Old Forge? Well, we started, it started as a, a construction project. Somebody came in, talked about the idea, and it kind of we kind of ran from, ran with it from there. Um, location was pivotal for us. Um, we're in a high-traffic tourist area, something that uh, in, in the distilling business is, is vital because uh, you're looking at, like, for instance, you're probably looking at 70, 75% capital outlay before you even apply, before you put your signature on an application. So if you're going to spend a million bucks, you're spending $750,000 before you apply for the job. Um, and I have to say, I mean, that location is everything. When I is. went in today, it was packed. It was absolutely packed with people. I feel like there needs to be, or I feel like there's going to always be that high traffic in Pigeon Forge. Is there ever a time there's not a lot of high traffic in Pigeon Forge? Or We, we have, there's a few weeks that, you know, we would consider, quote, dead. But um, we're fortunate. You know, there's, you know, to put it in perspective, um, we had 1.1 million people walk across our parking lot, our front porch, and the entire Kentucky Bourbon Trail had a million people visit the distilleries there. So um, I say that as a little bit of a jab, you know, kind of Kentucky Bourbon Trail, but we, we chose our location specifically for that. We're in the middle of a historic district. We're in a 110-year-old building. Uh, as John, you said, we're, we're right beside a uh, 1830 gristmill that's been continuously running it's the longest continuously running one in the U.S. So, and there's a candy store that my daughter made me <laughs> yeah. spend more money at the candy store than actually than it did for lunch, yeah. right? So there's a place <laughs> to get taffy and fudge and all that stuff that's out there. So um, I, I feel like, do you almost feel like you have it easy opposed to other people in the sense that that foot traffic is there and, and the tourism is there? Uh, you know, I think we have it easy as far as um, from not just the perspective of having a, a base for, for, you know, for, for guests, but also because we can throw a lot of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. So, you know, if Keener, which who's very creative, and he actually works really close with the candy store operator uh, to come up with stuff. And so it allows us the opportunity to to try That's things just and see what, what works. he tells you when he's over there. R and D, yeah. Oh, new grills. Now, like you said, I mean, yeah, he's we. Like, hey, we Tatum, I got some new fudge. Really <laughs> good. I feel like we can distill this yeah. into something. Yeah. Now he's he's absolutely right. We've got a ton of people that come through there every year, um, but. Even more so than that, you know, that's a good part of it. But also, you know, the candy store, the creamery, we have a farmhouse kitchen, we have a restaurant, a commissary, a girl named Danielle that, that I work pretty closely with that 
we're building a lot of synergy between those stores. Um, you know, we're bouncing a lot of ideas off of each other. They're making a lot of foods with our spent grains um, that don't go to a cat, local cattle farmer. Our cream liqueur line, our rum-based cream liqueur line is, I don't know if, you know, shamefully, I'm, it's a flat ripoff of our ice cream maker's ice creams. I'm turning them into a, a boozy a boozy melted ice cream. So Farmhouse Kitchen offers a lot of savory inspiration for things like this. You know, we'll talk about this rock and rye line um, in a little bit. But, was you know, Farmhouse Kitchen, was that a restaurant? No, it's it's right on the end. It's next to the candy store, right there at the corner of Butler and Old Mill. We skipped it because I felt like it was just a, uh, like a, a kitchen store. Big mistake. And, well, I was yeah. really worried that my daughter <laughs> was going to go in there and break stuff. Or buy, yeah. buy more food well it, but is it a place to buy food or is it a place to get like cast iron skillets and stuff like that not necessarily that i mean a lot of kitchen supplies but a lot of jams jellies um so you're telling pickles. me i need to go back tomorrow absolutely <laughs> yeah, okay. if you want something to balance out that sweet tooth that you got at the candy store that's a place to go <laughs> but anyway so bottom line is we're, we're fortunate to be situated where we are because we have a lot of people but we also I have a lot of an opportunity to work with some creative minds and you know kind of hopefully build some synergy with these people and take the old mill square as a whole to the moon, you know, kind of transcend what we can be by ourselves. So there's a lot of stuff in Pigeon Forge where you get like Alcatraz East, the rye, Titanic, the rye. Is there ever going to be an old forge distillery, the rye? And we have that. We, it's private, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> Could you do something? I mean, I'm serious. The sky's the limit. You could get one of those Motion Odyssey movie things and, and act like you're a drop of whiskey going through the I like whole it. process. I like it a lot. And Brilliant. You know, uh, you, you guys just got to cut me in. <laughs> you're in. You all are witnesses. If they do this, percentage. I get a percentage of the profits. You're, you're in, man. You're so, in. Old Forge started as a construction project. Now, Chris, you have a background in construction, correct? Or? Yeah, that's that's basically, um, I've been in construction now going on with that company 15, 16 years, and it, it was born from that. Um, and it just kind of kept growing and became its own little beast, if you will. Uh, we were fortunate to bring Keener on, uh, not the beginning, um, he wasn't with us, but he came on probably a year in and um, has, has taken us to where we couldn't have gotten without him. So, but we, we really grassrooted it um, from the beginning. Yeah, I know. Was that? That's touching. Touched it, didn't it? <laughs> touching. Uh, but it was a grassroot from the beginning. You know, I spent time at Billy's place, Billy Coffin's place, Corsair. You know, we spent we spent some time out there visiting distilleries, uh, Cobal up in Chicago, you know, to try to understand what the heck's out there, you know, like what product's there. Uh, because unlike some of our other distilleries, we have, again, a million people that it's going to be cool to buy a ball of moonshine, you know, uh, so for us, it's a matter of that gets the money going, and then we you know, have a legacy that we're able to start making the, the higher end stuff and laying down the bourbons and whiskeys. Because what proof is the moonshine that y'all are putting out? Um, it varies. Um, anything flavored is anywhere from 60 to 80 proof, so 30 to 40 percent alcohol. We have three clear products. That are uh, different. Right, we know you're whisk- honky. We get it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Brother, I forgot to tell I was saying. 
We're talking you about, were talking about the other Oh, the, the clear moon. Yeah, the clear moonshines. Yeah, so we have three clear moonshines that are all three at 100 proof. They're different mash bills. They're the building blocks for a wheat whiskey, a rye whiskey, and a bourbon. Well, um, I appreciate you not putting out even your flavored ones at least 60 to 80 because nothing is a bigger buzzkill than when you get a good flavored moonshine and then you realize it's 30% ABV. And 30% sugar. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and diabetes. There, and you're like, man, I not only am I not feeling a buzz from this, I'm also killing myself and getting fatter, yeah. which is a problem. I'd I'd rather eat some good food and get fat, like I am, <laughs> than drink some stuff like that. That, that. that was definitely something that we kept in mind when we yeah. set out to you are intoxicate a the guy. Chris is not, so I I I know who made you. <laughs> It hurts. <laughs> thank, thank you kindly. You were talking about the okay. The so three, three clears at a hundred proof, all different uh, whiskey mashes, and we later on we can we can get into the all that. But the fourth uh, clear moonshine that we carry right now is started as a limited edition product because we had just started our bourbon program, and some of the distillate came off of the still higher proof than we wanted. You know enough about it to know. Typically, the higher the proof, there's a you know, kind of an inverse relationship there with flavor. Yeah. It wasn't flavorful enough. So we were like, well, hell, we'll just put it unaged in a mason jar and at, at the distillation proof. So that's our backwoods cut, and it's different every time. Right now it's 129 proof. Um, that's le- legit the, the proof it came off the still. The previous batch was 143 or 135. Point is, it varies, and that one's probably as close as you're going to get at the uh, at this level to something that you can find at out of some dude's trunk, you know, <laughs> it it stings a bit. I, I should have got some of that stuff when I was at the. <laughs> Man, shit, we'll we'll put a we'll put a, bo- a bottle or a jar back for you. Yep, we'll get some. Um, what is uh? So all of this started. You had the construction. You do that. You open the, the story. There's all these people there. We talked about the moonshine. I'm almost kind of reviewing in my head a list of everything because you guys have so much. You go in the distillery. There's a lot going on in your Merc area because you have your flavored shine area, you have your bourbon area, you have a gin area, and I want to talk about this gin, but Peter, how about you just go through all of the different spirits that you all have? We we, we know we talked about five. <laughs> right. Um, Not we, all of the different flavors. No, of, of course. Um, we do have, what is it, 17 flavored, or I'm sorry, 17 product, moonshine products in that category, but we knew instantly, you know, at least when I came aboard that we wanted to not abandon that category, but we wanted to get outside of it and start building a, putting down that, that, that foundation for, you know, being a craft distillery. And, um, we have a barrel aged gin that we'll, we're definitely going to talk about soon, a bourbon, a rock and rye line. That's, uh, five products, five expressions in that line, a rum, based cream liqueur line that we mentioned earlier yeah it's you know ultimately 15 products but they rotate seasonally so there's never any more than five to seven on the floor at any one time an unaged rum vodka of course you got to have one of those and i will say the stuff that you're doing right now you source your bourbon you have the moonshine line that you guys are, are distilling there because the building blocks of those moonshines are going to be the same as a whiskey is there, or let me use correct English, 
Are there any plans to age some of that stuff and then eventually put out your own distillate? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've, and that was the whole thing from the beginning. Again, we, we've got a million people there, so it's cash generated. So there's no sense in, oh, we have some unique flavors. We have a French toast, we have a vanilla bean, we have a coffee. So you don't want it to taste like coffee and corn or coffee and rye. So it's stupid to, to do that. So that's just a, a base GNS for our flavors. We call them fun flavors. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is there are no liquor stores in Pigeon Forge. So, you know, you go stay at these 7,700 cabins that are out there. We want to be that stop, you know. But so that's why we have such a, you know, a vast array. So all this is the foundation for uh, the stuff that we've laid down and we have in barrels. Where is the nearest liquor store? It would be right at the front of Gallenberg, so what, seven seven miles away? Gosh, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe even closer than that. Closer. Which is tough then because it goes down the one-lane road, and if, if you're going to drive, this is a PSA for everybody who's in Pigeon Forge, if you're going to drive to Gatlinburg from Pigeon Forge, you're going to get stuck in traffic and you're going to get pissed off. Yeah. So you might as well just go to Old Forge because it sounds like from everything you guys have and from me going in there today, you have everything you need. You want vodka? They have it. You want rum? They have it. You yeah. want some fake moonshine? They have that too. Yeah. I'm kidding. If you want some flavor, And you said, moonshine. are you even listening? You just said, yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At this point, yep. Chris is on autopilot. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I'm just numb. If, if you want some uh-huh. flavored so, moonshine. Let me, let me interrupt and just tell you. Let Thank me give you. Guys Please enlighten, actual, enlighten him. The actual education. Moonshine is, is, is not a federally protected category. Uh, it's basically almost a catch-all. It's not quite the big catch-all. You can do anything you want, but it's, it's, it touches on liqueurs. It touches on cordials. It, it's like, oh, hell, we've got this flavor anybody taking notes remember the term or the phrase distilled spirit specialty all right that's your federal category that most of the moonshines fall under yeah i just was hoping you were gonna bring me something that you know your buddy with a nickname like (laughs) moonlight bubba bubba or something grave digger yeah Yeah, we got yeah we got we got we know we have a guy grave digger he's got he had three teeth at last time and, um, God, it's been so long ago since I've yeah. he's definitely down to yeah. one. But we have the we he call has no more than one tooth right now. Those are resumes. <laughs> but those are. I just wanted something that you were like, listen, <laughs> it's it's over in Sevier County. There's this guy. His, his name is uh, yeah. I, I don't even know. He he comes from a long line. He went all the way back to the Hatfields <laughs> and the McCoys. And, He's got this hill in his backyard. Yeah. In that hill is hidden a still. No, we, we everything's legal and tax paid. Well done. I well crafted there. Well well crafted, sir. Well, yeah. No, everything's tax paid. And and with that still these barrels he did fill. Oh my. Somebody cut them out. <laughs> I think we should taste. Yes. I, I think the fact that we are twenty minutes in here and we haven't started tasting spirits. Now that's neglect. It is neglect. I know that Keter has been drinking a lot of this already, but go ahead and pass this out, y'all. It was just to keep my, my cup from blowing off the table. I had to keep something in it. This is a gin that he has right now. This is a, a barrel-aged gin. Yes, indeed. Tell it's, me more about this gin because you made this gin. Man, this is, this is the first expression in our Tennessee Roots line. And the reason it's in our Tennessee Roots line is 
almost every single thing that goes into this is Tennessee. It starts from a little town called Dandridge, Tennessee. There's a local vineyard, Gaddis Vineyards, that grows grapes, muscadines in particular, and we buy just about his entire vineyard every year. He crushes it. We bring it in, ferment it into a muscadine wine, which if you're from around here, you're very familiar with that. And then we distill that wine into a brandy. All right. Any, any, again, we can talk shop later on, but if, if you're talking about a distilled fruit wine, that's a brandy. That puts you into the federal brandy category. We take that brandy, put it back in our still, um, fill our gin basket, which is just a, a fancy stainless steel tea bag, is kind of how you can think of it with, with our botanical load. And I think Stanton kind of hit on, you know, the juniper aspect of gin. That has to be your dominant flavor in gin. That, but gin is such a wide open category that you can almost put anything else in there that you want to, as long as juniper is the dominant note. So I think it's funny that all these people were sitting here thinking they were going to drink whiskey all day, and we've had two distilled. <laughs> we'll get there. I'll bring it. I'll bring it home on this gin. So we've distilled a brandy. We've redistilled that through that uh, botanical load to make a gin. And then we finish it in a used Tennessee bourbon barrel. So we're going to get to this product next. So it's a total bastard of a spirit in that regard in that it starts as a, as a wine. It goes through the brandy category, into the gin category, and then we finish it. This particular batch was aged for two years in a used Tennessee bourbon barrel. So those grapes were actually grown in 2016. Like I said, it touches you know several different spirit classifications there, but... It starts in Tennessee and ends there. So, I, I think for those of you that are tasting it, it almost is finish heavy over the and and also it's because I'm not tasting it in proper glassware, so I'm not getting as good of a nose as I would had I be tasting this at home. But the finish on it is very unique. It almost kind of has this oomph that kicks you at the end. I don't know if you get that when when you have it or. All of you in the crowd are getting that as well. I really liked that, though. It, it kind of has that, at the end of it, I almost fell out of my chair because I had that much of oomph. <laughs> really, really good. Well, I'm glad you dig it, man. I'm extremely proud of this product. It's Like I said, it's our, it's our first and only expression in that Tennessee Roots line to date. We have some other things coming down the pipe, but it takes time. It's almost a lot of so. orange and lavender... I, that's not the first time I've heard the lavender. There's zero lavender in that botanical load. Really? But I've gotten so many comp, uh, comments on it. I would say compliments, but comments uh, along the floral route, and there's no. That's funny. There's no lavender. A lot of orange. Is there orange in there at all? No. Well, shit. I'm over two. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. I'll really, give you a hint. There's. Uh, should be called Dad's drinking water. Um, yeah. <laughs> been drinking for four hours yeah <laughs> but it's really funny Park, um, so Parker Beam from Heaven Hill he, there are stories and I know yes this is a Kentucky story and Tatum's gonna give me shit cause I graduated from Kentucky but Parker would go people would come up to Parker and say I really love your whiskey I get this 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 and this from it and it's really really good he'd look at me and go really? because I didn't put any of that in there <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Every time somebody would ask him that, he would just be like, well, that's not what I put in there. And a lot of people don't realize the stuff that you get, the, the flavors that you're getting. 
65% of the flavor you get in whiskey comes from the wood. So Keener being the head distiller is going to do everything he can. But 65% of the flavor comes from the wood. I will tell you, there is an interview we did with Dan Gardner from Four Roses a few weeks ago. Yeah, yes. Dan is the best. And he was talking about closed stave versus open stave Mm -hmm. and how your wood, you can't even predict it, but your wood is either going to be open or closed. And the cooperage that is making your barrels, they can't even tell you. Right? Like, they couldn't say, like, hey, this is open wood or closed wood. It's just natural selection of what goes in there. So even within your barrel, there's going to be some staves where the whiskey or, or the, the spirit really goes deep into the wood. And somewhere it doesn't. So for all of you today, uh, spirits are stupid. Bourbon is stupid. And it's really hard to figure everything out because Keter is going to spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out 35% of how something tastes and the rest is dumb luck. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and, you know, Kentucky, you know, they do have a great history. I mean, I, I, I joke with you about it, but um, hearing that, it, I'll tell you from a sales perspective, that's why a lot of times when I do tastings, I don't wait for, you know, somebody to tell me what they taste. I'm like, okay, so we're going to try this. You're going to get a lot of this on the front. It's going to have a spicy finish, you know, um, because I think sometimes people get intimidated and they don't want to give an answer of what they taste because it might be wrong. And so um, I think that that's what's great about this podcast that you do is, I mean, hell, if you're wrong, you're wrong. You talk through it and, you know, figure it out together. And I think well, nobody's cool. wrong because taste yeah. is Well, so you know what I mean, wrong as far as a, the mash bill or what's in it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was an amazing save. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that right here. It was a thud, man. That was like a kick drum. I was about to run. You know, all your staff here at this resort are tremendously athletic <laughs> and able to kick, kick soccer balls. And he's drinking an old fashioned, too. Look at that. He did that with a. With, did you spill that? He didn't spill a single drop of that, man. That's insane. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was. They're all going to be fired from throwing balls on the hill. (laughs) So you were saying, Chris, when it comes to doing tastings, nobody's wrong, but yeah, it's almost and and the notes that you can give. I think there are generalities of a rye is going to tingle your mouth a little bit more. You know, higher proof might get you more in the chest, and you understand a weeder might be sweeter than a high rye or a low rye whiskey. Right. There's stuff you can kind of give them, but it's probably always best to give that at the end so you don't taint them, right? Yes. Yeah, and that's what we try to do. It's a, or as they're doing it, you know what I'm saying? Like, they'll do it and they've formed what their opinion is and, hey, you might taste this or that. So, but it's fun. That's the great thing about this, this industry. Can I ask you, how do you actually lead a tasting of Old Forge? Like, where do you even begin when you have so many skews? So, I'll say this from a tasting sales perspective, honesty is number one. And what I mean by that is we source, we sourced our bourbon specifically uh, because we're building, you know, a reputation of good products. Um, but we start, we try to try to start now, we have so many, we start with the fun flavors and then you can get into the other stuff. We don't want to wreck the palate at the beginning. And we actually offer the... the uh, lower proof stuff. Lower proof stuff. Um, and, and that's initially. Separately, so. 
but it's definitely interesting. So, so we are tasting your sourced bourbon right now, but it's very good. I, so when you source it, and here's where you get into the complexity of sourcing. A lot of times people might hear of sourcing and they don't realize. I mean, most of the people that are listening to our show are going to know this, but yeah. for those of you that are sitting here, they're buying barrels from another distillery, but it gets more complex than that because it's, are those barrels aging at that other distillery? Are they aging someplace that you guys have? Because I would say, and I don't want to steal anything that we might talk about later in a round table, but there's not a whole bunch of room at Old Forge as far as where that your distillery right. actually is. So are you aging things on site, off site? Where are you actually putting your stuff? We have a we have a warehouse, a rickhouse that we have uh, both the stuff that we source as well as the the barrels that Keener's put down uh, of our um, of our product that's distilled there. So are you distilling at the other site and no. you have an out? So you're distilling yeah. at Old Forge it's, and then transporting the barrel. It's called a not. If you're taking notes again, this is another another freight. It's called a non-contiguous space, and it's an extension of our DSP that Billy mentioned at the beginning of the day. It's a distilled spirits plant permit, but it only allows for storage. Um, there's no manufacturing that can take place. So that's we have a four thousand square foot building that I don't know if we're going to anyway. Zero storage space there, essentially. Yeah. So everything, logistically, it makes very little sense for us to make it there, store it off-site, and then bring it back down to the distillery two days a week if you're talking about an unaged product. But that's that's the hand we got. You know, but and, and Stanton's point of five, I think he was 5,000 square feet total, 3,000 manufacturing. So we're 4,000 with about 1,200 manufacturing and 2,800 retail. Um, so that's, that's a bit different as well. And I would just say that... Do you do anything, because the, the funny thing about the sourced whiskey that you have, I know that there are probably NDAs and you can't necessarily say, um, you can't necessarily say where you got everything from, but I will say that the, the distillery is particularly known for having some corn in their mash and having a corn to the taste, and legally I can say that, but... Your stuff is not overly corny. I mean, the corn is there, but I don't get a lot of... Again, well-crafted there, sir. Yes. 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 Yeah, so to, to get to your point, you know, um, the source, you know, where, where we got and the reason we selected what we selected was it is different. It's a different mash. It's a, rye, a heavier rye mash. Bill. Oh, what? Can you tell me the mash? Yeah, it's, um, well, 65% corn. So bourbon has to be at least 51% corn. We can get into that later on, but it's a 27% rye and 8% malted barley. So I think that is something that I want to, just for the, the hardcore whiskey drinkers that are expecting that distillery to be 84, 8, and 8. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. I, right. I mean, look, we... Keener kind of looked at me. He's like, holy shit. He, knows no, he just I took... Know. He, he, how does he know this? Uh, it's, so does everybody know what we're talking about? I mean, source... So... There are big yeah. distilleries. Um, there are massive distilleries. You know, not, you know, ninety-five uh, percent of all uh, bourbon or rye or rye is. I'm sorry, rye. Yeah, it comes from one place in Indiana, and um, it's all ninety-five and five. It's ninety-five percent rye and five percent barley is the standard mash bill that you're going to get for most ryes. Right. So, so we source this, and it's a higher rye, so that's twenty-seven percent. But we get the barrel not from Indiana. No, no, not from Indiana. It's Tennessee. It's a Tennessee product. 
Um, yeah, so it's a, uh, but we still cut with our own water. Um, and then on top of that, though, it's kind of a combo, John. It's not all been aged somewhere and then we just bring it over here and, and dump it. We've actually brought it in and we've aged it in our warehouse some. And so that does make a difference. Um, if you, again, like Keener said, we can talk shop later, but the, the warehouse and the aging and the, the heat, the cold, the contraction, and all that makes a massive difference. So it's kind of a... Well, Did they all drink up that whole whiskey? But wait, there's more. Uh, there's more. Well, there, there's a little bit left. I was going to say that's good stuff. I, didn't, I figured everyone yeah. drank. Yeah, so it's different. I mean, it's, it is, it's different. Um, um, Where's the dude with the old fashioned? Yeah. Where's my security? <laughs> security. And Chris hip yeah. a soccer ball. It's because Cassie and Carmen only put a, a string up. <laughs> it's going to keep the gnats out. It's going to stop the soccer ball. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Really got to put my hats off to you for that. Everybody. You all try the whiskey, what do you all think? You all like it? Clap. Yeah. People can't hear it thumbs up. So <laughs> and then let's, I know we're going late and y'all want some hot dogs. So <laughs> it's, this last one is a rock and rye. It's a peach habanero, but you said it, it's made with natural flavors. It's 86 proof, 43% ABV. Tell me a little bit about this one. This is the most recent line that we've released. It's a five-product line. It's a rye whiskey base. So you're going to expect, you know, everybody expects, you know, rye to be kind of synonymous with this peppery, spicy type thing. This rye is a very young rye whiskey. So you're not going to get so much. Well, this is a bad example because it's got friggin' hab habaneros in it. You're going to get spice from it. But... The base spirit is not going to lend itself so much to that spicy rye you're expecting. It's it's a little fruitier because it is so young. It hasn't had time to age and mature into that spice flavor that you'd expect. The reason we chose that particular whiskey is because it lends itself well to this line. Fruit, fruity things, fruit notes. It 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 helps kind of exacerbate. Is that a word? Well, that piece it brings Try to kind of forward. Yes. It pushes. The Thank you. That's forward. yeah. So that's that's what we're going for with this line. This peach habanero is, like I said, one expression. And earlier we kind of alluded to the fact that we're trying to build some uh, synergy uh, with some of the other stores in the square. So you can check the bottle out. It kind of there's somebody that's a lot smarter than I that wrote the type on the back that tells you know what it's about. But we have a little herb garden out front of the distillery that we grow a lot of our botanical load for this particular line um, peach trying to kind of again I hate to say hijack but the taffy the peach taffy that we have at the candy store was an inspiration for the peach note in this oh so check his tiny house out for the peach note but so we have a rye whiskey base and we use a very similar process to that vapor infusion that we kind of discussed in the gin process with those habanero peppers. And we vapor infuse, uh, you know, the alcohol base through that, drag down that habanero flavor, top note it with a little bit of a peach natural flavoring that we also source from somebody that's way better at making peach extracts than us. That's what that line's about. And we have a ginger lemongrass that's off the chain for summertime. 
orange rosemary, if you're a rosemary fan, that's probably the closest thing to, to a, maybe a juniper or some sort of an evergreen note that you're going to get. Peach habanero. What else? Shit. Orange time. Uh, uh, grapefruit time. We have a grapefruit time. Well, because at one point it was an orange time. Uh, grapefruit time, and then there's a... Um, it's almost hot dog time. Speaking yeah, hot dog. We have, we have a, I promise you, we tried, we tried a hot, a chocolate hot dog, um, flavor rock and rye at one point. It was, didn't go over very well, but we have a fifth out there, but it's, that's the, the most recent addition to old Forge Distillery's lineup. And I think those are interesting because that's almost like a pre-mixed, uh, cocktail. Right. You could take something like that and just put some ice in it. And tonic. And you know that's that it. you're going to have a lot of peach notes in there. If you get something like tonic water or there are some flavored tonics if you want to get saucy. But I like that. That's 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 86 proof. Yeah, it's – yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't know it, would you? It, you got <laughs> taste like it's one of those ones that's 20 proof. Yeah. It doesn't have a lot of kick to it, but it has a lot of flavor in there. I think it's the best way to describe it. Half and half with some tonic, over ice, a little squeeze of lemon, get a little citrus pop in there to carry that flavor, and you'll, I don't know, four or five of them, you know, by that pool down there will uh, we'll do you right. <laughs> Keener, real quick, because I feel like we could do a longer podcast, but what did you do? What's your background to become head distiller? Do you have a, a chemical engineering background? Or- no, I actually quit college. Really? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a college dropout, believe it or not. Now, to be completely honest, you know, the, the sh- less long story of it is I was a full-time fireman for Sevierville Fire Department, which is a neighboring city next to Pigeon Forge. And, and I, still in the back of the firehouse or something? <laughs> that was actually, an, I wasn't going to get that deep into it, but yeah, I had a, I had a you know, the, the nature of that job is you work 24 hours and you're 48 hours off. So every day you work, you get a weekend. So I was drinking a lot. You know, on those weekends, but it was an errant internet search um, that popped up a link moonshine stillers. I don't even know what I was looking for, man. Probably pipe bombs or something. I don't know what it was, but um, you know the government's gonna use. Yeah, I know. And what did what did Bill, who, what did Billy say? Just so you know, what did he say? Billy, went to- uh, there was some sort of a disclaimer. In any case, um, I ha- I did actually have a fuel ethanol producer's permit through the Tax and Trade Bureau, the same people that regulate the distilled spirits plant industry. And I was making fuel for the soul, I suppose, um, on my days off. You were making fuel for those fire trucks. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Fuel for the... You can edit that out. you got a button. (laughs) So I I was was at the firehouse one day, and I was reading the newspaper, and my cousin, Al Al Blanton, pointing at you... uh, one of the Any he's he's kind of he's kind of no, but his name is the exact spells the same. Yeah, um, saw that he'd applied for that. <laughs> Oddly enough, I'd applied, applied for a DSP. Yeah, great great name, and mine rhymes with it somehow. We're digressing. So in any case, saw that saw that they'd applied for a DSP. Texted his daughter who I'd known forever, she's my second cousin, Laurie, said, hey, you know, I'm doing this every third day of my life uh, at the fire department. If you guys need any part-time help, love to come, you know, uh, you know, part-time work so that I wasn't drinking so much in those two days off I was making it. And it just kind of led to an opportunity from there and jumped ship completely and hadn't looked back. And, well, we'll be celebrating five years here in 
few days, right? Yeah, 27th. That's awesome. I feel like I need to sit down with you guys for a lot longer, uh, especially both of you. But No, that's pretty much it. What else is in the future (laughs) for Old Ford? Oh my God! We didn't we didn't plan for the future. You know, we're, we're the opposite of Stanton. You know, he's well thought out. He's he had a business model, and we just kind of came in there. And... <laughs> Let's just go. Oh, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're rich. We're rich. So you know, we make money. <laughs> <laughs> we make liquor and we make money. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Yeah. No. That's a callback if you missed like four weeks ago. Oh my bad. Where... It's not all going to be on the same day. We're new to this show business thing. <laughs> it was a, yeah, we're new to it too. <laughs> but it's a, it's a callback to sh- our short mountain distillery episode where Billy talks about how he's actually, but I mean, he goes out to make that organic kosher yeah. uh, stuff where you guys are just like, yeah. Have Stan, fun. You know, Peter's like, I was in the back. Stanton has a, a well thought out process. Keener's like, I went to the, the ice cream store and I had like mint chocolate chip. I was and like, I just, damn, that'd be good as a liquor. Yeah, but I the <laughs> There's so much more truth to that than you probably even think you're saying right now. Well, thank you guys so much for spending <laughs> thank some you. time with us. Where can you find Old Forge? You're, you're on the, the grams and the Twitters and the Instagram. We have loved to been prepared to give you that information. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something I was supposed to do? Uh, I Old Forge Distillery at everything.com. <laughs> Old Forge Distillery.com. Yes. You can find them. They are on Instagram. They are on Twitter. They are on Facebook. It was safe to say all over Tennessee, yeah. Kentucky, North and South Carolina. You know, I know so. you could get your stuff in Nashville. So yes. Go Big ahead and find them and check them out. You can check Dad's Drinking Bourbon out on Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dad's. Join our Facebook group, answer a couple questions. We'd love to have you in there. It's a private group, so you have to search for us. Find us on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, (laughs) Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever it is, we are on it. Please leave us an open and honest review like we leave an open and honest review about any of the spirits that we drink. You can also find us in Nashville, Tennessee. Let us know when you're there. We'd love to share a pour with you. Chris and Keener, thank you both so much for joining. I have a feeling I'm going to be recording another episode with you all pretty soon. Great. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, John.